Hello, this is Joe Romano, proud alumni of Hofstra Radio. During the summer of 2023, I had the great pleasure to speak with former WRHU station manager Brian McKinley. In interviews Brian has been conducting for a podcast series he has entitled The Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. During our discussion, I mentioned to Brian interviews I had conducted with WRHU station management for an assignment in a journalism course I took during my sophomore year at Hofstra. I told Brian that one of the interviews I did for that assignment was with WRHU legend Jeff Krause. I also mentioned to Brian that there was a chance that I might still have kicking around somewhere a recording of that interview that I might be able to share with members of the Hofstra radio community. Well, turns out that I did have that recording. The cassette tape has not yet disintegrated into oblivion, and I'm happy to report that I was able to make a transfer of that cassette tape into a digital format. The interview was conducted in September of 1990 probably with a handheld portable cassette recorder with the built-in microphone. Uh, needless to say, the audio quality was, well, not great. As it turns out, this novice young reporter likely placed the recording device much closer to myself than it was to Jeff. Uh, I can't say for certain, but I feel pretty sure that this was due to the fact that I simply did not have the nerve to place anything on the man's desk. So uh, as a result, I found when attempting to try to enhance the audio and uh, uh, work as best I could to get Mr. Krause's voice uh, as clear as possible, um, my voice on the recording became even more distorted than it already was on the master tape. So in order to put the emphasis here where it should be on Jeff and Jeff's words, I've edited out uh, most of my distorted live questions and uh, instead I will pop in before and after clips uh, of the interview only as necessary to explain what I was asking Jeff to speak about. I've also decided not to edit out what were numerous interruptions to our interview because I felt in listening back that hearing Jeff on the job, as it were, uh, conducting the business of the station while also trying to get this underclassman to leave him alone, uh, presents here a little bit of a time capsule over three decades back to what it was like to be in that WRHU office at that time with the man at the helm, who was frankly the main reason the station had stayed on the air for its first 30 years and a main catalyst for remaining on the air for the next 30. So, with that intro out of the way, here we go. I started out my interview by making perhaps the number one bad mistake of any interviewer, which was trying to ask four questions at the same time. I think I asked Jeff to tell me his title at the station, how many years he'd been at the station, and cover in detail all of his responsibilities all in one answer. Um, Jeff gave me an appropriately curt response, and then we went one by one through the answers to my questions. Why don't you ask me questions and I'll answer them? Okay. I mean, you should do a little work. 
just for kicks. I'm general manager of WRHU and director of university broadcast services. Uh, well, at WRHU, I'm <laughs> responsible for it, if anybody is. Uh, oh, another interview? Yeah. Uh, training. What? Um, if you had, if you were either one of the masters for NASA Symphony, where would you be? That's him. That's him right there. He's the Oh, you're in deep shit already, huh, Jason? If I were a master, I couldn't even begin to tell you. You provided me with two dubs. Of each. Uh, uh, yeah, of each. Uh, which have one, now I, one of I, and one yes. I think they have now gone to the correct places. The masters? I don't know. The Lionel musician master is sitting on the shelf over there. And the two masters for NASA Symphony were with the Long Island musician master. Check the classics on this. In that case, fall on your knees, Jason, and pray that there is a God who likes you. <clears throat> That's what I do. Uh, as general manager, I keep WRHU. Yeah. This is Jeff Cross. In other words, they're showed in the Does she give you the program number? Uh, I take care of the budget, the books, development of training programs. Uh, if necessary, I help guide the training programs. I'm responsible for determining what kind of equipment the station needs to do what it does now and to do what it hopes to do in the future. Uh, I am in nominal charge of you know, the various and sundry fundraisers that we have, that we need to keep ourselves afloat. Uh, take care of all the personnel records, hiring and firing of part-time student aides, staff assistants. Pretty much what I do. As director of university broadcast services, I'm also in charge of Hofstra Vision. Uh, getting program guides out. Hofstra Vision shows programming which is done by HTV, but we also show programming done by other organizations. Uh, don't confuse the two. HTV Productions is an operation which is in effect a class uh, run by Mr. Wren. Um, and it produces television programming. Hofstra Vision is that organization that broadcasts that program. At the moment, Hofstra Vision does not initiate or originate any program. Okay. Hofstra Vision is, in effect, the television station.
Okay. okay. And HTV is the production agency that provides that station with some of its material. In my next set of questions, I asked Jeff to go into some detail about what it meant that WRHU was a non-commercial station and to go over with me what he knew about the overall broadcasting range of our station transmitter. That's a confusing way to put it. It isn't that we don't receive outside funding. It's that we do not run commercials. Okay. We are not permitted, nor is anybody down our end of the dial, permitted to make money from a commercial. We can take donations. College stations run the gamut from 10-watt percolators that go three or four miles to operations like Fordham, which is 50,000 watts that covers three states. We are at the local station. We are, we are really, we're a local. The radius of the signal is, uh, what the hell is it? <clears throat> As I recall, the radius is 22 miles. And that's circular. So if you take it, yeah, that's roughly circular. So it's 44 miles. On a map, we actually seem to go a little bit further. But when you get on the outer fringes of it, it's pretty weak signal. Unfortunately, the start of Jeff's answer to my next question got cut off a bit. At the time of this interview, I had heard that there may have been a radio station to the east of Hofstra University that was transmitting on a frequency that was interfering with WRHU, and I thought I'd ask Jeff about that. Okay. Whether or not they're doing it legally or illegally, we do not yet know. Okay. So you don't know the name? Of, do you know the name of the station, the call letters, or anything? Yeah, but it's not really germane. If it's illegal, then we'll give it to you. Okay. But okay. if it's legal, we have no comment. Okay. I just. Uh, and besides, you can find it yourself if you do some research. <laughs> next. My next question for Jeff had to do with the overall station programming philosophy. As a young undergraduate college student, I was among those who felt that the considerable portion of daytime programming that was devoted to the classics from Hofstra was not necessarily serving the needs of the listening community of Hofstra Radio. And I told Jeff as much. And Jeff, as you will hear, responded in kind to the challenge of my questioning. If we were an AM carrier current radio station that went nowhere but on the campus, then it would be logical for us to do nothing but play whatever the heck the campus says at once. I will debate with you that absolutely no college student is interested in classical music. Uh, but hypothetically, if we were an AM carrier station, we wouldn't play any. We, we are broadcasters as opposed to a wired public address system. As a matter of fact, the president at one point said, I want classics on in the morning. We said, okay. We used to have classics on when okay. we were not funded at virtually at all by the university. We used to have a program called Classical Request that was on at night, five nights a week, 
As I recall, it was on from 10 until midnight because we went off the air at midnight. Uh, but at that time, the station was programmed completely by students who voluntarily did classical music programs. So, out of a 100, how many hours are we on per week? 122 hours? So out of 122 hours a week, we do a total of 30 hours of classical music, meaning well over half of our total programming is not classical music. What's radio, what's radio for? What's, what's the job of, of a commercial radio station? Its job is to make money. That's what it's there for, to serve the public. That's, if you'll pardon me, bullshit. Okay? okay? Radio stations haven't had to serve the public since deregulation took over roughly 1977. Okay? 1982, uh, Melvin Fowler, chairman of the Reagan FCC, said the public's interest is the public interest. Okay? In other words, whatever the public likes, give it to them. If they want 60 minutes of commercials in every hour, and they're willing to listen to it and, get, and, get and pay for it, give it to them. I'm so happy. Essentially, it's a free market economy. If you make money doing it, you are obviously serving a public interest, if not a public need. If you don't make money, it means the public doesn't like you and you go down the tube. Non-commercial station, what are we here for? Uh, one of our jobs is a training ground, so guys can like you can come in and rattle guys like me's cages, like that style and syntax. You can also get a, go on there and learn how to be a DJ. Uh, you can argue that you don't need a transmitter to be a training ground, but that's not true. What happens if you don't have listeners calling up and say, that really stank. Oh, I love your music. If you haven't got those people, you have no incentive. Otherwise, you're just playing a game. It's kind of, a, you know, audio masturbation is what it boils down to. Nobody else cares. So we're a training ground. But the commission does say this. We are, we're not a, we're not a college station in the sense that we're here to serve the college. As far as the FCC is concerned, even today, we are here to perform a public service, which is why we continue to broadcast a lot of the public affairs programming that we do broadcast. Uh, entertainment. How about alternative? I hate the term. Alternative. Alternative to what? Okay. There are so many of us grubbing like lice over the face of the dial. It's pretty difficult to be an alternative. In other words, all right, we do we do yet another rock show. But it's our rock show. Is it really an alternative? Yeah, it is for us. Um, WRHU tries to go a little bit further. We do do, for example, radio theater. We do jazz shows. There are very few jazz stations on WBGO. That's it. The other one went under. Commercial station. So we do jazz. We do radio theater and finding a lot of interest in that. Um, all right, we do classics. Well, so does QXR uh, and WNCN. So why do we do classics? I don't know. The president told us that's why we do classics. Okay. Also, what else would we do in the morning? Yet another rock show? 
If we did, then we'd be in there with all the other rock shows. Hello. Kathy's note for you. Okay, thank you. Competing for the same audience first thing in the morning. So that'd be a waste. Okay. Also, it's easy to do classical music. Uh, at least you don't have to worry about new vinyl and new performers. There really are very few new performers. Next, I asked Jeff about the efforts of people at the station to recruit new members and how the radio station goes about promoting the shows that are currently on the air. Well, we do a fair amount of promotion. Uh, we run uh, our block schedule, runs in the Chronicle every week, and it shows all the programming that we do. Uh, as far as I know, our public relations department has flyers that they put up all over God's Acres. Uh, we have bumper stickers that we mail out. Uh, we, somebody ever gets our act together, we might even have some T-shirts. Um, we have ads in the Chronicle. Uh, as far as I know, Good Morning Hofstra gets out there, and, which is aimed at the college community, and pumps the other programming that we do. Uh, our other programming is announced in one way or another on Channel 56, the closed circuit TV operation. Uh, we pump for stories in the Chronicle. Uh, I'd say that, you know, on the average, we, we try to get a fairly good presence out there to indicate to people all the things we do do. Based on various and sundry, sundry formulae, all of which are suspect. I read a book sometimes called Statistics, More Statistics and Damned Lies. Great book. Um, we estimate, my estimation, uh, was about 22,000 people in a week. Okay? This is not a constant audience because we, we, don't, we don't use the lowest common denominator. Okay? We don't go on vis-a-vis -vis the station we were talking about at, uh, you know, uh, 5 o'clock in the morning and play one type of music for an entire day. So consequently, you're going to have people tuning in for specific shows. That's one of the evils of a variety format. Very hard to measure. Um, so we figure about 22,000 people, and then somebody else, and I don't remember who the hell it was, was talking to somebody. We, we always show up in the arbitrons. Always. Uh, but on the average, because we call them up and plead and whine and snivel, we don't buy the service. It's too expensive. It's, uh, gee, I don't know, $300, $600, $800, $1,200 a quarter, something like that, even for a station our size. I haven't got the money to spend on So we call up and plead and whine and snivel, and they say, ah, yeah, all right, you were in eight diaries, 10 diaries, 12 diaries, whatever it may have been. Uh, and then you extrapolate from there. The one diary represents a potential of how many people. So that's where we come up with a number between 22 and 33,000. In a week, not all the time. There are some programs that will have very low listenership. Other programs have very high listenership. We know the programs that have the high listenership. Finally, my interview with Jeff ended with us fencing back and forth a bit regarding the number of phone calls shows we're getting and how that may or may not be indicative of a decrease in listenership and interest in station programming. 
I also asked Jeff if the new TV facilities that have been built in Dempster Hall might be leading to a decrease in student interest in the radio station as compared to the TV side of the department. A tough line of questioning for a sophomore journalism student, if I do say so myself, but as you can no doubt imagine, Jeff certainly had some candid thoughts to offer in response. Well, we had a fall. We probably had a fall off of listenership. I, I think you're comparing. I mean, you may be comparing different types of fruit, and it's all fruit, but they're completely different. I think if you, if you want to have somebody uh, drift away because they found something else to amuse themselves. Uh, hitting puberty automatically brings up a lot of uh, interests you didn't have before. Um, different shows on television, movies. Get a hamster. I don't think it really, I don't think the, the existence of the television center really makes a hell, hell of a lot of difference. Not for our audience. Anymore. We're talking about listeners, not staff members, right? We have more people working for us today than we've ever had before. Well, I wouldn't say ages, right? Despite the the glitz and glamour of television. The good one, not that ugly See, one of the major evils, one of the major problems of a non-commercial college-based station uh, like ours. One of the evils and one of the strengths, okay, is is it's staffed by students. You get some really good students in who are really motivated and dynamite, and they go out and promote like mad and do a great job, and then they graduate, and whoever comes in maybe isn't so motivated or maybe an absolute dinkhead, and what happens? It becomes very inconsistent. Consistency is one of the things that we strive to provide ourselves, if nobody else. We're not very good at it. Thank you very much. Try not to too. And there you have it. The incomparable Jeff Krause. I hope those of you who remember and respect Jeff as I do have enjoyed listening to this little time capsule back to an afternoon in the fall of 1990 to hear Jeff speak about the station he helped to build and loved dearly and also get a little sense of the hustle and bustle of the daily ordinary of those hanging around and working in the station office. Uh, let's be honest, most of us did more hanging around than working, but there you go. Uh, Jason, whomever you are, wherever you are, I sure hope you found that master recording. And anyone else listening who happened to hear a familiar voice in the background or having an interaction with Jeff, I hope this recording took you back to some great memories of the station. Uh, again, I'm Joe Romano, proud alumni of Hofstra Radio. Thank you for listening. <laughs>